Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and Happy New Year. The podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball you can grab that 10 percent discount on your legal fees i'm dan moylan hello and with me is michael normanson hello so is moscow white daniel chapman hello if you want priority access to the match ball podcast straight after a game you get a daily email as part of tsb plus our new subscription package plus full digital sub is included in that have a look at the squareball.net forward slash plus reflections then on the christmas period gentlemen it was all right up to a point wasn't it spurs not so great I think that's good, isn't it? Six points from that. No, no one expected any more. It's better than three draws or whatever we're expected to do. The, the idea that you should grind your way to staying in the division. Try and win. You get better results. We did try and win. Although we made heavy weather of it against, uh, against Burnley. And we'll come on to Burnley in a minute because there's a terrifying picture on this sheet in front of me of the, of the guy who's been making comments. You know, we, we like to do propaganda where we look at what opposition fans have been saying. We'll tell you about the Burnley guy who's a very interesting character in just a bit, but let's deal with the most recent first and uh, and the Spurs game. Well, we're fine with all that. It's kind of funny, isn't it? We were saying this after the match. There's a, almost an air of resignation in our voices, but in a nice way that, all right, okay, we lost, but shit happens. It got away from us as well. We were in it until they scored, which I still don't think was a penalty, by the way. But, you know, who cares, really? Why not? Why wasn't it a penalty? Mm. Uh, due to not being in the box. On the line. It's, it's, Alioski wasn't. Alioski was entirely hmm. outside the box, so no, therefore contact must have been. But anyway, I saw a tweet today saying that it was it was his right leg that did the offence, and it was inside the box. And I think the problem with that, I saw the same tweet, and it started from the uh, the angle of if you looked at a different frame. Oh God, is that just, what? Yeah, just, just shut just, it down. Just give him the penalty. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I think that's why I'm not too bothered because if it was given in real time in a game and. I, I'm less bothered. It just felt like VR didn't really look at it, but I also want rid of VR, so good that a wrong to, decision was given. If we have to spend as much time on whether it's in or out of the box as we did working out whether the shots came from the book depository or not, it's kind of just... Just have it. Just have it. Yeah. Okay, so and we, and we, know, we fucked up. We, we know Alioski's got these little madnesses in him. It's fine. I'm Melier. Yeah. That pass. Fine. Whatever. You know, do better. Just stay up. Which was interesting from... Bielsa, I'm not sure whether I agree with Bielsa on his, his angle that experience doesn't count for anything. And his angle is just, well, Melier's done those passes fine before, so he should have done that one fine. It's just a mistake. But it was just kind of, you know, our goalkeeper is a child. He he makes the wrong pass sometimes. But then Kiko Casilla, very much a, a grown man and used to make worse mistakes. So I'm not sure where you exactly join those two things up. And Hugo Lloris, 
you know, there was a, a time at Spurs when he was absolutely dreadful for a, several weeks, wasn't he? And then it happens to goalkeepers. So, but yeah, there was enough in it that it was kind of, you had to just say, yes, Harry, you can have a shot. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Have, have your penalty, have your goal, Harry. We know you're going to get one. Stop showing off. And the same for you, Sonny. You'll get your turn as well. I think that's maybe it. We'd given them the penalty. They could have then not bothered with the next one. Just, you know, play it, fair. It, it felt cruel, did that, didn't it? When we, when we were talking about it on the match ball, how there was just a, an inevitability about the quality of it. It felt like we didn't do a great deal wrong for that. You wouldn't look at any particular player and say they should have closed down quicker or they were massively out of position. It was just an absolutely brilliant cross and a brilliant finish and fuck off. <laughs> Spurs dragged us around and it was actually it was just those two players because Kane pulled Stroik out of the defence and then beat him, which he's likely to do because he's Harry Kane and Stroik is Stroik. And then once that was through, then you had um, Luke Ayling was the, the spare centre-back and was kind of caught in the middle and Dallas just didn't see where Sun had gone because Sun's runs when Kane has got the ball are, are magic. So they did move all our defenders around, but it wasn't necessarily because all our defenders need to get in the bin. It was just that that's what Spurs do to much, much better teams than ours. And Luke Ayling's still not a centre-back. He's done really well, though, when he's filled in, but that isn't where he would choose to play. And he's been doing, overall, an incredible job there. So he's allowed to let Harry Kane and Son do a bit of a bit of damage to us. And Stuart Dallas not a right back as well. So when and Alioski uh, not a left back. <laughs> and and Pascal Stroik is no older than Melier. So it's there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in our defence that uh, that is not of the top Premier League quality that those two. But hang on, are. Ian Ladyman of the Daily Mail posted an article saying, How come Leeds are so porous at the back? Well, we've got a bunch of kids there and no recognised centre halves. Pit off, Lady Man. Um, Spurs fans on propaganda, surprisingly and annoyingly sensible. Yeah, I was trying to find one of them being a bit more smug or unreasonable about something. There was a clip of them being a bit surprised by the sending off, which I've not included, where they're going, that's never a sending off that shows replaying us. Oh, actually, no, yeah, it's fine. Just a very quick winding in of the neck, just saying he's making a real, he's making a meal of it. Oh, no, no, he isn't. Well, that's not very 2021, is it? You're supposed to double down on your opinion, even when you know it's wrong. That is true. That is true. But um, yeah, he does, he does make the right decision in the end. But I thought they were quite reasonable. This was George, I don't even know how you pronounce his name, Achillea, maybe? And it's some like other the, bloke it's who's like the word. It's the word Achilles with an A on the end instead of an, an S, isn't it? Yeah. So sorry, George. We controlled the game. We were clinical on the counter-attack, and not even that. We weren't even defensive today. No. We pressed them high. Bergvine, Son, Undombele, Kane, all the front four pressed their defenders really well, forced Leeds to make plenty of mistakes. How many times have they many passed it to Leeds our players, passed it yeah. off the pitch? Like, they were, they looked that's clueless. because of our pressing, the pressing, our ability to win that second ball and put them under pressure. And then once, it's a momentum thing. Once, once that starts to not work for you, as far as Leeds are concerned, very hard to then pick up, pick that level back up again. You'll never make it as a pundit, George. You need to have some opinions of the capital O, mate. Sorry. There's a bit where he called us clueless, which is, I think that is harsh. But the bit, the point made at the end where we lost the momentum and it was it was going all right for us until the point they scored and it did just, it just ruined us, to be honest. One of the things I enjoyed most about the West Brom game was that interview with Allardyce. They did, I think it was talk sport that surfaced afterwards when he was saying that Bielsa would struggle for goals in the, uh, in the Premier League. And even what he said since we lost to Spurs where he's now gone back and said well I think my players were, were very tired after that brilliant draw with Liverpool and uh, I wish Leeds had played um, against us the way they, they played against Tottenham we might have got a different result and he's 
He's doing as much as he can to kind of just, I'm sure he'll be out there saying, I mean, we only lost 1-0 in Sam Allardyce's mind. He's just really compressing how bad it actually was, but it was terrible from their point of view and brilliant from ours. It was hysterical how bad they were because there were bits in that game actually, which to go back to last season when we were kind of neck and neck, it felt like they were playing some all right football. And in this, there were several points where watching it, they just kicked it straight out of play. Like yeah. and not accidentally trying to find a player and kicking it out of play. Just get fucking rid in the same way as you did at Sunday League. It'd be like, just kick it out. If you the, the cow score from a throw in, just kick it out. And it it's so different to the style that we play. And it's different to the style they've played previously as well. Well, if you go back to the first game of uh, of twenty twenty, which was at the Hawthorns as well, it felt like two teams going toe-to-toe with very similar styles like Bilic's football was it was entertaining it was attacking and the result could have gone either way that day and then you fast forward to the end of the year and it was like playing a different sport wasn't it completely I just like exactly the same as you I was like why are they just kicking it out we never just kick it out no it's a it's an it should be an absolute last resort when you realize you've not got a pass on but it felt like there were people they could have passed to or people that could have moved to a position where they could have been passed to but instead they just went no Sam just wants us to get rid so we'll just do that West Brom do seem like a, a warning from an alternative universe because everything that's gone wrong there seems to be about that difference in philosophy where the upstairs, I can't remember his name, but their director of football was um, at Leeds uh, when uh, Cellino was chipping around and he refused to take the job. He was basically our di- director of football in all but name, but insisted he was only advising on transfers because he just didn't want to get involved and he somehow ended up um, helping out, and his name has completely escaped me. But there's been a real split there, it seems, between what the club wanted to do in the Premier League in terms of staying in it this season and what Bilic wanted to do and which players they would sign and how much they would spend on this. And Leeds, by comparison, do seem very unified in that. In the, and it's not just a case of whatever Bielsa says goes, it's that you can see the, the transfer activities that we got involved in over the summer was sensible, get some solid defenders in, spend the money that we're looking to spend, not, not go um, massively over budget, not completely change the style of play. And it seemed like West Brom have got caught in this idea of do they carry on being the West Brom they were in the championship or do they revert to that kind of defensive Allardyce, stay in the division, grind it out angle, but doing it with Billich there. Now they've got Allardyce, maybe they'll be much more unified as they descend back into the championship <laughs> from whence they came. West Brom fan TV then. Happy bunch? There's not. I've struggled to find any optimism in any of the West Brom fans, which I think is probably a fair assessment after a 5-0 defeat against a team that you were neck and neck with a year ago. We're absolutely terrible. This is the worst performance I've ever seen us. But like the performances as a whole, it is the worst I've ever seen us in the Premier League. You know, we sacked Slaven Bilic because we was losing a lot of games. And it's just getting no better. We get absolutely hammered tonight against Leeds United. Where, you know what? Fair play to Leeds tonight because they were absolutely brilliant. You know they, they've got a great manager in Marcelo Bielsa. They've got great players, um, and some of the goals what they scored tonight, even for Johnston, who was on such good form, impossible for him to make any of the saves because the shots were just too good. But it's just absolutely embarrassing. I don't know what Big Sam said to them at half-time. Maybe just try not to concede any more goals because we didn't look like scoring tonight. We didn't look like we were we was a threat at all. We didn't put any pressure on their keeper, really. We didn't put pressure on their defence. 
and it's just absolutely embarrassing. We may as well get relegated now. Crikey. <laughs> Any crumbs of comfort? Uh, Marcelo Biesla. Biesla was, that was nice, but yeah. He's, it was all fair assessment though, I yeah. thought. But imagine if that was your world. Imagine if that was the, 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 the limit of your ambitions. It's the limit of, the, it is the, the club that have done it. They could have kept with, with Billich. They could have even done what Norwich have done and gone, right, okay, well, if we do go down, we sort of we still keep the style of play, we keep the manager, we we try and do better next time. Whereas it feels like, as Moscow said, West Brom have just gone that thing that worked last year. Just chuck the baby out with the bathwater. Just get rid. We need to stay in the Premier League under at all costs, despite having not equipped Billich to do it in the first place. We now expect Allardyce to do it because he's Allardyce. I'm sure they'll be feeling a lot better about themselves though after uh, the Arsenal game, though, won't they? <laughs> well, they conceded fewer. They did, so it's an improvement. They're getting there. Maybe they'll get it down to, I don't know, 1-0 and 2-0 defeat soon. There's another clip I found as well from the Express and Star, which I guess is a local paper, and it was a similar level of optimism from this guy. Although he does say some nice things about us. Yeah, you get a good result at Anfield, and then a couple of days later you go and get turned over by a team who, as good as they are, and I do think Leeds are a good side, I think Marcelo Bielsa is a brilliant coach. Um, yeah, we got promoted with them um, six months ago. Um, and you would think that they were playing several divisions higher than us on that performance tonight. Thoroughly abject, absolutely disgraceful. Um, Matas Pereira benched um, in a game where you need someone on the pitch to, to, to that's, that's going to create things. Um, have a sinking feeling that he'll be off in January. I think if Big Sam's going to get money to spend um, as he's been promised, probably going going to be raised through the sale of our most valuable asset and a fantastic little player. Not that he not that he made much of a difference tonight. To be honest, the rot set in with the Arbin a long time ago. Um, Darren Moore, Jimmy Shan, and then Slavin Bilic brought a bit of positive feeling back to the stands. But this is this is this is indicative of the club that we've become. Pereira for sale. <laughs> That's the, we've been there though, haven't we? That was Neil Warnock coming in and selling Adam Clayton so we could get Paddy Kenny in. It was just. It's going to be them selling their best creative player so Sam Allardyce can buy some big lumps who can get them to 30 points and still relegate them. Don't do it. And then the next manager will be somebody with a progressive attacking outlook because they realise the fans didn't like that and he won't have any of the players to do it. He's got 38-year-old James Collins at the back. <laughs> trying to use Kyle Bartley as the number 10. Hoofing it forward, trying to get out of the championship again, which they might by the bottom exit if they're not careful. It's interesting as well to hear that entire promotion season last year now just reduced to... Slavon Bilic brought a, a bit of good feeling back. It, if it's a promotion season, I suppose that's the one of the prices of becoming a, a yo yo club between the divisions. All those, maybe it was worth waiting for in our case that we, we you know, we really built up to the the joy of of winning the championship. Whereas fucking thirty year run up, these people, <laughs> these people now at West Brom and places are just kind of like, oh yeah, it was all right for a bit that one, it winning the championship. Been here before, haven't boy? Never mind. Right, to Burnley, and I know this is long ancient history now, it feels like, but we need to mention this because of the bloke from Turfcast, who, I mean, I mean, if you had to sum up this guy's picture, we've got a picture of him on the sheet here, what's the word, the single word you would use to describe this man? Is he going to hear what I say? Potentially. Warm and friendly. Yeah. Lovely. Yep. A gentleman. Yep. Ter- a terrifying gentleman. <laughs> Emphasis on gentle. He's got quite a few neck and facial tattoos, hasn't he? Although one of them says love. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got a love heart as well, just under his eye. I don't see if that's two teardrops next to his face. It's not quite clear from the photo. Hope not. Yeah, it's kind of obscured by the crucifix on his other cheek, isn't it? Nah, it'd be all right, isn't it? He'll be um, just in it for the art, I'm sure. He no, they do look good. He wasn't happy after this anyway. 
You can't say he looks bad. Absolute fucking joker performance from that referee. Um, that referee should never referee a game of football again, never mind it, Premier League. Totally inadequate. Uh, the first one, Pope, yeah, he's dived in, but he's got the ball first. He's, took, he's got the two on the ball first, then took the man. So it's never a penalty in a month of Sundays. How uh, VAR have, have not overturned that is beyond me. And the second one's even worse. An absolute fucking joke. His keeper's come out for it. He, everyone can see in the pictures and the still pictures and the videos. He's fucking put a knee in back of Ben Mee. Be, Mee's got his eye on the ball all, all the time. They both have to be honest, but he's took the me completely clean out. Barnes has put it in. A great finish from Barnes, to be fair. You know, with a few defenders, it waits a great finish uh, and add the composure to carry on and put it in. But it's a fucking absolute joke of a decision. Uh, but to be fair, we never got off, uh, nothing off him all game. Uh, fucking Bamford was fucking whinging all game for fouls in and around him. Um, so was Ailing. Um I thought we more than deserved a point. I mean, normally you hear that accent, you think, oh, Lancastrian simpleton, but I don't think that with this. I just want to say, go on record, I agree with every word he's saying. I want to be the first to say that his tattoos are not the worst I've ever seen. Uh, he's got a point about all of it, hasn't he? <laughs> if he wants to hold those views, then I'm right behind them. Moaning Mr. Bamford. Mr. Mr. Facial tattoos, please don't hurt me. Yeah, it kind, of, you... it kind of tailed off at the end, but I wanted him to get him being annoyed about Bamford. Eh? Did you see um, Bamford being highlighted for what he said in the Spurs game? The um, Spanish-speaking press have gone mad about it because, um, in a good way, they all seem to think it's hilarious. Because after he um, missed that chance in the first half, he looked up to the uh, the skies and they've lip-read him as saying, Puta madre! I know what puta means. That's rude, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the various um, translations of it. But, it's, but yeah, it's, Is it like your mother's a whore? It's an, yeah. I mean, also just like general fucking hell. It's a bit like carajo means everything from damn to come on to fuck off but it's but yeah um, i think there's um references to things but swearing in spanish which is we love that it's great crack yeah. on and the um as a, an example of the way bamford's reputation or his his life story kind of follows him around the world one of the reports was saying um you know has, has he learned this from marcelo bielsa it says well Probably not, because he was a very intelligent schoolboy who learned several languages at his posh school. <laughs> and so they reckon it, um, that um, public I mean, school in Nottingham that they were teaching him to say, <laughs> fuck your mother. In, in fairness, the first thing you do learn in any of the languages is the swear words, isn't it? It is the French dictionary. It was the first, the first stopping point, wasn't it? Yeah. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, when we went to look around secondary schools, you know, when we did the tour for when my daughter um, was changing. I mean, she's, she's there now. But I'd forgotten that we went to look round one and I was wearing one of our Leeds Carajo t-shirts and we, when we were in the modern languages department, I realised I was walking around with a t-shirt saying, Leeds, fuck on it. <laughs> I allow my son to wear the hat that says it and I think, well, it's probably fine, isn't it? There's no Spanish speakers in Pontefract. And we've got one more clip to do then before we close this bit out. This is another bloke from Turfcast who's presumably less terrifying. So we are, are we able to disagree with him? Yes, definitely this guy. Yeah, we could take him. So this is my thing, right? If that was a defender, there's a couple of issues I've got. If that was a defender who had wrapped his leg around the player, which we've seen a million times, and he wraps it around and he touches that ball before he touches the player, it does not matter how much of the player he touches unless his studs are showing. They congratulate, they celebrate it, it trends, it's fucking viral. Everyone in the country, in the world, starts saying, what a tackle by some player I've never heard of in France. And then it goes round. Now that, for me... Because he's a goalkeeper, why is that different? It is still an unbelievable challenge with his feet. I mean, there we talk about Lancastrian simpletons. 
He's not like, oh, the wise man who spoke before, him with the facial tattoos. Very, very knowledgeable man, I thought. What, what are these viral tweets of... Not viral. Uh, viral. Viral. It's different. These viral tweets of good tackles from France. <laughs> I've no idea. And, I, I fucking love that. And when was that last the rule as well? That if you get the ball first, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Knuckle dusters are just irrelevant from that point. If you've got the ball, spark them out. And it also, it plays into something that the admittedly more knowledgeable and um, gentlemanly first bloke was saying, which was, they seem to have got confused as well about the fact that it's definitely not a penalty because he got the ball first. And if you get the ball, you can do whatever you want. So it's definitely a penalty, even though Melier also got the ball first. They both can't be right. I think they wanted Burnley to win, didn't they? I think that's their their big problem. And I do, I mean, the referee blew, so it wasn't actually taken to, to VAR, but I think their goal should have stood, probably. But, you know. The penalty. Uh, that's definitely a penalty, isn't it? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if we get Sam Greenwood having a debut uh, at Crawley Town. Do you fancy seeing him? Yeah, stick him in Joffy and put Eddie Gray in charge for the day. I say play with kids. <laughs> well, Phil's done a bit on him, uh, forecasting him to be a future star for Leeds United. That's on The Athletic, which you can have a read of, along with all the other stuff that he's written about us and all that coverage of football from the UK, the Premier League and around the world. You can get signed up for a pound a month if you head to theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. That's theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Deep breath, everybody. We're a week on from Carnegie. Have we had time to reflect on it now? Have, have we all calmed down? Because everything got a little bit giddy and exciting for a while. With the advantage of, of time, we can look back on it now and say, probably wasn't a very good idea that tweet, was it? Uh, I think that's what we kind of resolved on when we spoke about it on the Phil Hay show, wasn't it? It probably just wasn't worth it as a, as a whole exercise. I think Leeds got themselves a bit confused in all this because on the one hand, they were saying this is very serious, disrespectful, we're unhappy with the, the comments and we, we feel that this it shouldn't be allowed to stand. But the way they addressed it was bants and it's difficult to try and decide from that starting point of what their their first stance was, is it something that needs seriously addressing that's wrong with the way that pundits are talking about Leeds United and disrespecting our achievement last season, which should be, I'm, I'm not sure it needs to be put on a pedestal that you can only ever say nice things about the way we, we won the championship, you may not tarnish it in any way. Or was it just another Gabby Agbonglahor that you could just stick a joke out about and, and do it for bants and retweets? And they got caught somewhere in the middle trying to do a bit of both, and it backfired massively. Well, what Phil said on the Phil Hayes show was that he thought that the club would probably change tack now and avoid doing this in future. Do you think that's probably for the best? Yeah, overall. <laughs> I think it just feels like one of those things that the club has, it doesn't necessarily need to do. It's a bit like in a very di- on a very different medium, but it's a bit like when Bates used to put stuff in his programme notes that just you just sort of read them and you thought, do we need to be getting involved in this? Whether it was something serious that led to like the Melvin Levi case or whether he was talking about like pig farmers and he just used to go to talk about random stuff and when he was on the radio talking about the Olympic bid and the Chinese team coming to the UK it just used to go into territory you think there's no need for this it's just leave it to other people to do to do the banter on Twitter there's plenty of it it's kind of what the platform's there for and I understand that the club have had quite a bit of success on it with when they've done things with like they've talked to Pizza Hut and all random stuff like that but I don't know I feel like they should have known what was going to happen here which is a shame in many respects because it would be nice to think that it wouldn't have gone to the, the places it did but they've used Twitter they know what, they know what happens on it mm. I mean that's the thing is it, it felt 
very predictable right from the moment. I mean, it was sort of beginning as we were wrapping up the match ball and uploading it and you retweeted the, the original tweet on the square ball and you could just start to see the a few comments coming under where it, it went immediately from Karen Carney's an idiot and saying idiotic things to, well, this is women in football. And it just started to come and then you knew when Leeds United came in with 670,000 followers, that was the tipping point where I just had a sinking feeling about it. But I don't think they they really needed to get in on on this one because it's less about Karen Carney as an individual and how she may have felt and ended up deleting her Twitter. It's more that that residual effect that it did very quickly become women in football, you know, get them off the screen. They don't know what they're talking about, all this kind of stuff that the, the tiredness that I could see in some of the people we know who are female fans of football was just really in the early stages of that. Here we fucking go. And there is, it's leads with 670,000 followers being new to the Premier League. I think the championship was maybe okay for having beef with One Direction, but there's a tipping point when you get to certain levels of followers, you can't control what people are going to say. It's when Leeds have tweeted stuff about charity work that the club's done and you look at the comments and it's hundreds of Chelsea fans posting pictures of Frank Lampard after Chelsea had beaten us. It's inevitable and being aware that this is now the the level that we're at has maybe caught the club by surprise a little bit. And there's, there's two angles to that. One, you can't control what people say on social media. So you should maybe avoid creating the situations for people to say bad things. But then you can actually influence what people say on social media. And that was one of the angles of the, the response to leads that kind of went under the radar that a lot of people complaining about it was saying, well, why aren't you trying to stop it? And I happened to look on TikTok over the weekend, which um, as a millennial... <laughs> Such a cool kid. I just about qualify. There is, um, there you can find over thirties TikTok is a is a thing. Is that a niche? Is it? It is a thing. Jesus. Yeah, um, people discussing. Um, well, there's kind of there's a there's a subgenre of of videos on there of people going, should we really be here? Um, <laughs> no, but, is the answer. Get yourself <laughs> off by Moscow. But the um the algorithm in its wisdom decided I wanted to see a video from the Arizona Cardinals um, American football team who have a a feature on their version of, of Value TV where um, they put a microphone on a player and film them all day and they're the player of the day. And whoever was the player of the day, they've got this clip of him, he's before the match, he's walking over to this cameraman, obviously looking a, a little bit annoyed, he says, what, why are you following me around? Why aren't you filming somebody else? And the guy says to him, well, you're mic'd up, aren't you? He's oh, I'm mic'd up today. Sorry, I completely forgot. So they've just put that out as like a little blooper from their behind the scenes um, video and it's, you know, lovely and gentle, but because they have, I think they've got some like 900,000 followers and that video, you know, the fact I'm seeing it shows it's gone big. It's had, I think, about 4 million views. In the comments, inevitably, people are trying to start something where there's nothing. There's some people saying, I don't like that player's attitude. Why is he having a go with that cameraman just doing his job? And other people saying, oh, well, you couldn't see what the cameraman was doing before. Maybe he was like, he was filming him unprofessionally. And when that's occurring, the Arizona Cardinals account is coming in and saying, oh no, it's just our player. He's, he's forgetful like that, but he's a good guy. And talking about the cameraman, oh no, the cameraman can stand up for himself. He wasn't frightened of him. And just always having this little corrective yeah, just guiding, voice, guiding the conversation. Getting people back. And leads aren't at that level. Probably it's a lot to do with resources that Arizona Cardinals, I imagine, will have 
a team of people manning their social media streams at all times. And it's kind of, if you don't have that ability to go into the comments and say, cut that out, it would have changed things tremendously. If Leeds had, had put that tweet out about Karen Carney, which in itself, as people have always said to defend it, was no different to what they said about Kaviak Bonlahor and it, it put the, the um, focus on her um, comments. If then when people were in the comments saying sexist stuff about women pundits and, and making threats or whatever, if they'd just been there saying, it's not about women pundits, it's about what she said and, and our run last season and just pick a few and keep it on the, on the level. It just creates that little difference in, in tone. And it, it did mean that I think a lot of the, um, the effect that, that people were, were worried about is like, well, where the fuck have Leeds gone? They've tweeted this and they're just going to let now all the tweets happen. And it's not really an excuse to then say, well, Twitter's like that. So we can, we can't hold us responsible for what all these people are saying beneath our tweet. You can do things about it, but it, you kind of have to make a choice about your, your social media in, in that instance as to whether knowing what the, the results are going to be mm. of, uh, of your Bant's tweets, whether you, you can be bothered policing people or whether you put the focus on, on different things. And uh, I compare it to Liverpool a little bit, where I don't know if they ever go in for the Bant tweets. Lots of clubs do. So it's, it's, it's not just a Leeds thing. But when I saw Liverpool going viral over Christmas, it was uh, videos of their players like doing video calls with sick children that almost reduced me to tears and that are all lovely. And then when Leeds do it, it's because we're fucking either bantering off Gabby Agbonglahor, which is maybe not necessarily a, a good or a good look in the first place, or it's just starting all this with, with Karen Carney, which, you know, by the time Meg Rapinoe is, is tweeting about it and whether you think she should be involved or not, it does kind of say this, this has got out of hand and you maybe need to rethink whether... Well, I think that's a very good indication that the whole thing was not a good idea in the first place. Yeah, the, the, when the conversation gets away from the whole original point of it and the, the core issue of it got completely lost, didn't it? It did. And I would on that as well, there was a little bit with... Because um, Graham Smith mentioned that the, the comments that the Yorkshire Evening Post were deleting off their Facebook page were abhorrent. But then it's also the Yorkshire Evening Post who had five different articles about this one tweet and all the reaction to it and have you seen what Gary Lineker has said about this now? And are then putting it on their Facebook page that then gets more comments going. And it, it did become, um, I think, one of the infuriating things about the whole thing and how predictable it was is that so much news now in particular when nobody can fucking go anywhere is just, have you seen what so-and-so has tweeted about this? And then you write an article about it and you tweet it out and then people tweet about that. And then you say, you write an article about the, the tweets in reaction to that. And it did just become, within a couple of days, it was just a story about people are tweeting about other tweets. And the whole thing just was predictable and is no longer about whether Karen Carney had a point, which she didn't, and she was just wrong and and I think that would be the the other thing I would say about it is that people can be wrong. I think what else has not helped this story in the way it's stuck around is that it's seen a real influx of blue tick journalist type people all saying, defending not only her right to the opinion, which is a correct thing to defend. And I've seen more than ever with any other pundit, a defense of the actual opinion, which just seems a little bit weird. And that seems to have wound people up because they've, rather than just saying, all oh, right, well, she's allowed an opinion. There seems to have been a lot of people going, no, she's right. And that's not something I've actually seen before, particularly. And I think it's it's almost disingenuous shit stirring in a lot of respects. Is that is that side of it because they're going? It's almost saying you can't say she's wrong, and that's not and that's not that's right. not true, is it? No, that's not right that you can you you've got to be able to say anyone's wrong. 
is part of the that's part of the rule of social media and the world is that you, people are you're allowed to say people are wrong and well, it's the point of punditry it's, it's a point we addressed on the phil hay show isn't it that pundits are there to offer opinions which are there to provoke a reaction in the audience so if you're not offering an opinion you're probably not doing your job right but if you're offering an opinion it's there to be shot shot at and i find some of the stuff incredibly disingenuous like right people in the sun kind of highlighting misogyny and you sort of think well really like how and how much did the sun cover the closing down of the leeds women's team under Chilino, wasn't it? And how much did they cover the Lucy Ward story and these things that, that actually materially affected women in football? They didn't give a fuck about that because it wasn't particularly exciting. It was like it was a it was sort of industrial tribunal stuff and it was kind of boring. Whereas mm. this is this has been on Twitter and it's been on Amazon and it's the Premier League and it's it's something that's more interesting to talk about. I, th- I found it again talking about disingenuous certain certain blue tick journalists who in the one hand uh, uh going into battle over over this particular issue but then uh, literally within three or four tweets on the same timeline are encouraging a pile on with Alison Pearson, who's a journalist who I want to, you know, I do not agree in any way, shape or form with just about anything Alison Pearson ever tweets or writes. I don't like her at all. However, you so know. So get on her Twitter and tell her. But do but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? So, so journalists are uh, decrying what leads are doing, but then they're also partaking in the self-same sort of pile on on a female journalist. So, you know... There are, Does it go both ways? There are some rules of engagement involved. I mean, <coughs> Alison Pearson was engaging in being mean to people on Twitter, and so people started being mean to her back. And it's kind of the the um, the, the Agbon Lahore thing. You know, his tweets were screenshotted in the tweet that leads it back at him. It was very much a, a social media storm, and I think Alison Pearson is a social media storm. Where um, Carney was kind of in a different case was that she was basically just dwindling out time on on Amazon and I don't know if it would be interesting to know from her point of view where this talking point came from whether somebody had shoved this piece of paper and said right last three minutes of the show we're just going to say you know Leeds will they get tired COVID helped them last season and then we'll talk about you know West Brom is Allardyce going to keep them up and then we'll go home whereas Agbong Lahore, it was, he's out there wanting it. She had apparently said similar things on a different network before, not a, not a UK one. Yeah, it's not, but it's not been done. It wasn't done in a kind of a mean call out way. The language about being promoted because of COVID was pretty strong, but it's not like she spent every moment on screen taking an opportunity to slag leads off. And, you know, as Agbong Lahore, it was the, else is a myth and he's saying it because he knows that'll get a reaction and then it's not only saying it it's then it's clipped so that video clip is on social media and then he's tweeting to say no i really do you know if leeds fans can't handle this opinion it was just you know something she said and it's it's moving it was leeds's choice then to move it from amazon to to twitter and we were talking when you were talking about program notes there it's it's bizarre that that's probably would have been the better venue for this if two weeks from now or whenever our next home game was, Angus Kinnear, who is quite catty in his programme notes quite often, had said, some of you will, will remember being quite annoyed about um, Karen Carney's uh, tweets and punditry in general. And on this occasion, we did feel that went too far and we got in touch with Amazon and we got in touch with Karen and we, we've sent them all, we've sent them our form tables from last season to show that we were not burning out and say that they'd addressed it then. It would have, you could still have had that element of snark that Kinnear is quite good at, but it would have avoided the storm that Leeds walked into, which wasn't helped as well. I was wondering about the um, 
the kickoff time because it was a six o'clock kickoff. So this finished at eight o'clock and they were tweeting it like half past eight. It's absolutely prime time for everything to fucking kick off. Um, I, I even, in my uh, match report on when I, I wrote a bit about this, if it had been the next morning, if they'd done something then with just that little bit of time to, to take the heat out of those initial um, sexist comments that were already coming before Leeds started up and just there was a better way to... Just to dump it down it. a bit. Yeah, yeah to, to make this, the, the point. Because the way they addressed it, it just meant that it was inevitable that a, a pylon was was going to follow. And I think that's where it's worth mentioning what we do with propaganda and picking out pundits as well. Is but Are we culpable at all? We could be. I mean, if it ever started something like that, I would I would hope we would um, nip it in the bud. And certainly after you had retweeted the, the original video of Carney saying what she said on, on Twitter, there was some um, people commenting. I, I saw you saying to people, it's, oh, no, we need to n- not go down down that line but I think it's about knowing your audience and about knowing the size of the audience as well and also knowing the direction that you're, you're punching we can talk about Steve Nickel on here in the the reasonable confidence that nobody listening to this podcast is likely to then be tweeting at Phil Hay to say you know all Scottish people should get out of football because they're fucking stupid Let me. I'm going to clip that bit by the way <laughs> just that out. section and, um, and the same with other um other podcasts and, and channels that we, I think we regard them as peers and um, we tease them for their opinions, certainly not their facial tattoos, but there's sort of an, an, um, a level playing field and, and those rules of engagement where Akbong Lahore and, and Mills are certainly engaging in this transaction of idiotic opinions. And Carney, it's worth reiterating, she's not above criticism. Um, Paul Robinson on Twitter did was did some very very funny stuff with uh, with her saying that Leeds only won the FA Cup in 1972 because of the Spanish flu, which is fucking funny because it takes what she said, blows it up to Make, its, and it makes it ludicrous. It's doesn't ludicrous it? yeah. extreme. Yeah. It's satire, and it, and it, and at no point did it then bring in the fact that you know women pundits need to get off the screen, which was the um, really I think what most people had a problem with. It's it's you can criticise Karen Carney, but Twitter does not seem to be in the place where you can criticise Karen Carney without people telling other women to get back in the fucking kitchen, which is not something that happens with Gabby Agbonglahor, which is why I made this point. It's in my Spurs report, but equality is not doing the same thing to everybody when you know that the outcome is going to be different. Equality is making sure that the outcomes are different so that everybody in the end is getting the same thing. And the example I use there is that, you know, if somebody's in a wheelchair, it's no good taking them to the bottom of a staircase and saying, well, we're all equal. We've all got a staircase. Some people need a lift because the the outcome has to be equal that everybody's got to the top floor. And that's where um, it seems to, well, it, it's a social media problem. It's not something Leeds United have created but it's something that Leeds United need to have the the wits about them not to add to in the way that they did here. Mm. On the propaganda stuff as well, I sort of when I'm trolling YouTube and stuff, I do sometimes make decisions on it as well that I'll see if it's like if it was like a young kid saying something ridiculous or some girl who's got like 14 views on a video. Part of me does think it's probably not right to put that person. In the firing line, yeah. On there. Whereas, you know, if, if it's a fan TV thing, it is there to be watched and it's 
they want people to engage with it and look at it. So I think I feel like that's fair enough. And you have got to be a, a little bit careful as much as we, I guess we you try and tread a line, don't you, where it's it's funny enough to use while not necessarily upsetting anyone with yeah. facial tattoos. <laughs> we had that kid, that Villa fan, who just, because he was making some funny noises about uh, Calvin Phillips being in the England squad, his size and his dramatic silences were too too funny, but we deliberately didn't name him to kind of avoid any of that. And I think the only one we, the only kid we have named, um, even then we we dodged around, it was because he was great. There was that Aston Villa fan who who just had a really... He reminded us of ourselves, I think, in the way he was reacting to Villa getting soundly beaten, and his uh, his whole videos were spot on, and it was kind of like he's good. Go and go and watch him. So that yeah. was, you know, we do. Uh, well, we that's do what, that's about one this. thing you've you've touched on there is that I do hope that when we are taking the piss out of other fans, is that we are holding a mirror up to ourselves and saying, oh, they could do it to us absolutely. This, this is the stupidity that we indulge in every yeah. time, and there is, and it's the reason why we don't do live watch-alongs as well because we'd be equally as fucking idiotic as these people. And it is again, it's about it's kind of the where you are in what you're delivering. Carney wasn't doing comedy. She wasn't doing something that was there to be laughed at. Are she we? just came Well, <laughs> not comedy, but you know what I mean? It was yeah. it was very much a straight it wasn't talk sport trying to hype things up. And I was I was thinking about the the whole kind of leads tiring out thing more generally in, in commentary and remembering that there is a, a slightly cynical side to it where the, the T V companies are desperately trying to get people to keep watching. And that's um why during the the commentary on the Spurs game, Glenn Hoddle is saying, saying, well, Leeds working very hard, but are they going to be able to keep this up to the end of the game? And it's so that the viewer, who maybe the casual viewer, they know a Leeds fan is going to watch until the end of the match. But if you're a Southampton fan, you've just tuned in for a look at the game, they're teasing you with that little bit, you know, are, are Leeds going to be able to get to the end of the game? Will something happen? Will they Will they all collapse <laughs> knackered and tired? And that happens after the match as well. It's a well leads are they going to last the end of the season or should people tune in next time and watch them again to see how tired they are yeah. so well they were pretty tired last season You're from right. this these notes that have just been handed and and yeah, the, it's it's creating drama. It's creating narrative, isn't it, for the casual viewer? Yeah, you're, yeah. you're right. Actually, and, yeah, but and not hooking people in and not designed to upset, which is the, the the difference as well. There's not a there wasn't like a cynical aim. Um, from Karen Carney, I'm sure she didn't go on television that night. Said, "I'm really gonna fucking stick it to those Leeds fans." Whereas we know from Agbonlaho, he he said himself that if you can't handle Gabby Agbonlaho sticking it to you, you, you shouldn't be in the Premier League. They're very different people and needed a very different response. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. On to other matters, and the transfer window is now open. Now we are, we are in January. couple of potential... <laughs> I thought you were having a breakdown then it's for a transfer second. Transfer window noises. Oh, it's the sky noises. Yes, yep. we should. I should dig out some sound effects and introduce them, shouldn't I? Firing laser beams and shit, like the ones from Dave Hockaday's eyes looking yep. at the Premier League. <laughs> some potential outgoings. Tyler Roberts is being linked with potential moves out and away. Is this just because he wasn't on the bench versus Spurs, uh, and there was that sort of mysterious kind of uh, backroom behind the hand chatting about can I talk about this in the press conference? It was either has he got COVID or has he gone, seemed to be the, the subtext fix. They said he's missing, he's unavailable was the word. And then there was a bit of discussion apparently about what to say and they pretty much left it at that. Well, what do we do with Tyler Roberts? I think alone wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, although we don't have many strikers would be the thing. If we think Greenwood or Gelhart could step up or Rodrigo can move and Hernandez can come in, if we're happy if there's enough cover, I would probably let him go out on loan because I think he's of the age now where he, he does need to get some games and... We've to an extent we've kind of messed him around because he's he's come off the bench a lot, sometimes playing as a number ten. The end of last season he was starting as a number ten and then constantly being taken off. He's never had a decent run up front for us, has he? And I think that is probably his position. So I don't think we should. I'd be more happy to see him go out on loan than for us to sell him because I do think there is potential there still. What game did he come on in? Did he come on against West Brom, or am I imagining it? You're imagining that, I think. I'm sure it's not long since he came off the the bench in a match. I don't think he's he's in a weird kind of no man's land that Jamie Shackleton also dwells in, unfortunately. And it's unfortunate for them where they're good enough in Bielsa's eyes to be in our first team, but not good enough to start. And so when do they get the minutes that will get them good enough to start? And then we don't have, as Michael said, we don't have that depth of squad where we've got loads of strikers that if we do let Roberts go out to get some time and then Bamford immediately gets injured what do we do then? Who plays? How do we fix it? So he just ends up in that really weird little position where it, it's it's difficult for him to develop. And his lack of consistent games is, I mean, it's not his fault he's been injured so much and that's not helped him either. I like him as a player. I think um, those two goals against Hull last season really showed something about what he's about, especially the... Uh, the second one where he's involved in the, the build-up and then got on the end of it. And I love that diving header as well. We don't have any other players who would do a diving header from 20 yards out, I don't think. It's worth remembering, it's not 
very long ago that people were saying drop Pat Bamford and just play Roberts because Bamford was out of form and Roberts seemed like a decent option. It feels a bit like we've collectively decided, after I've looked it up, 237 minutes of Premier League football that he's not going to be ever going to be good enough, which I don't think is strictly true. But I think I tend to agree with the idea that we need to see what he's about now, but that's not going to happen at Leeds at the minute, is it? Mm. It's the other thing is uh, promotion hasn't been kind to him either because it's much harder for him to get into a Premier League team and get up to the standard of the Premier League without having had that sort of grounding in the championship. It's a vicious circle, isn't it? Because he's now not going to get the Premier League minutes in order to get the Premier League experience, which will bring him up to Premier League standard and so on and so forth. The easiest thing might be, since we are in the January window, is sell Bamford. <laughs> and then Roberts can start. There was a little, there was some... Um, I, I await the uh, the backlash. There was some talk about Bamford's new contract needing to be negotiated soon, otherwise he'll be able to, to leave for free. And with him being one of the top scorers in the Premier League, is in line for a pay rise. So if we go down the old uh, the old Bates route, say, well, we've got this, we've got Tyler Roberts is just as good as you are. If you want a pay rise, go get it somewhere else. Oh, you have. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the thing is, he's, he's very young though. And if we loan him out this season, it doesn't mean he's on the scrap heap. It's not like Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea's still loaning people out who are 25 and have never played a game for them. It would be, I would want to loan him out with the view of he comes back and plays for us again. Well, you, you look at someone like Tammy Abraham, for example, who was loaned out from Chelsea, who's now you know, in and around their, their first team pitcher. Just yeah. got to go off and get that experience, a consistent run of games, if, well, if he can stay fit. And then he needs to be able to get a run of games at Leeds at some point. And if he can never get that, because he's never good enough to get rid of Pat Bamford, then sell him, I suppose. Because you, you need to have people who are challenging, don't you? There's no point having an, obvious, an obviously worse striker on the bench who you never want to play. What about Rodrigo then, who's in front of him in the pecking order at the minute and is one of the reasons why you can't get the Premier League minutes? First whisperings of him moving back to Spain. You wonder where these have come from, don't you? Stories emerging in the media. You can take Bamford with him. <laughs> we don't need any strikers. I, I mean, it's a well, weird we'll play one. Greenwood and Roberts. It'll be fine. It's a, it's a bit of a weird one, this, isn't it? That he's been linked with the move away already. Suggestions he's unsettled or he's not happy with not playing up front or what? What do you think? I've not seen any suggestions of that. Particularly, I think it's just, Atletico Madrid need a striker because they've released Diego Costa. And it, looking back, they've been linked with him a few times before. Going back, I found articles going back to 2019, the summer transfer window, then saying that they were going to sign him. So they've obviously been a long term interest there. And I guess maybe I don't know. Agents talk, don't they? If there was if there was anything, they might have had a sniff that he could be available. But I, I don't particularly want to sell him. A lot of it's. Spanish media as well. Uh, Sport Witness is a website that's quite good at tracking what's being said in newspapers abroad. And the um, it's not only Rodrigo. You've got to remember, he is a starting centre-forward for the national team, so there's a lot of attention on him. And Llorente is a starting centre-back. Maybe not starting, but he's, he's certainly in the squad. And there's already been stuff about Llorente, that this move to Leeds has been a complete disaster. He's barely played. And you know, the fact he's been injured, Irrelevant in these reports, it's basically saying, you know, it's and I think the the player that they replaced him with it, um, he was at Sociedad, wasn't he? He's not exactly done brilliant, so it's like Sociedad have have made an absolute mess. Why did they let Urente go to the Premier League where he's a disaster and they've replaced him with this clown? And it's, it, I think a lot of it's the kind of the, the stories there. So it's Atletico Madrid need a striker, January transfer window. What names are out there? Well, Rodrigo. He's missed a lot of games for Leeds. He had COVID. Don't matter. Be back immediately. Ra ra ra. Noise, noise, noise. Uh, of more interest, then incomings. Uh, let's run through some of these. The names that have been linked. 
and would you like them? Uh, we'll start with Michael Alise, who's uh, at Reading. There's reports of a, an £8 million release clause in his contract. Who he's been doing good things in the Championship. Apparently that's still going, Championship, which is good. Uh, Aren't Reading winning it? He's, I don't know. I have no idea. Norwich are winning it at the moment, I think. Oh, he's yeah, Reading are doing all right, though. I, can't, I really hope Norwich come up, actually, just so we can get Daniel Farker, your uh, Daniel Farker on the uh, on the podcast, Michael. Can you just give us a little sample? Yeah, for sure. They're good to have him back on very soon. <laughs> and uh, Elise, have you seen any YouTube clips of him and do you want him on that basis? Because I watched one and I was very excited. What does he do? Well, in fact, the YouTube clip that I saw of him featured our midfield being run past quite a lot. So I liked him on that basis. He was doing fancy turns and uh, moving body shape to get past our midfielders it's all technical shit well his 8 million pounds release clause apparently which we're in the Premier League don't you earn that every minute or something yeah I think let's just have him and not use him for that sort of money and given what he does I mean seriously though his talent is is absolutely huge so I think we should get him yeah if he's good he can't play for Reading no that can't he won't won't want to play for Reading either no it's like um, you know Jimmy Kebby and Noel Hunt they've got to challenge themselves at a higher level it does feel a bit like order's being restored here though because if we're on about offloading our striker who can't get in the team to Bournemouth, that's the right order that we give them a player that we don't need rather than buying our best player. And likewise, if we can just go in and get Reading's best player, it's better than them being in the Premier League and us being in the Championship. The one Bournemouth's best player? John Lewis Cook? I'd have him, yes. Yep, just to make a point <laughs> about yeah about the order being restored. Rodrigo de Paul, uh, he tweeted... We'll have him. Yeah, that's new, confirmed. Yep. New Done signed there. already, isn't he? <laughs> new year, new challenges, I'm ready. In English along with a fist and flames emojis. What could it mean? He's tweeting in English, lads. Hot fisting. <laughs> Mind you, their sporting director said that he won't be sold in this window, but that's not to say that he won't be sold, but he could be on the move in the summer. Fabian Delph is not for sale. Hmm. But should we have him then? Remember, you said it's already done. So It's done, yeah. Oh, cool. Angus said to anyone who was there, he said, oh, don't mention it like, but yeah, it's already... He's, he's, He's actually been in Leeds the whole time. If we're getting in, we won't need Eric Pulgar. We'll be from uh, Fiorentina, who's the Chilean midfielder. Or should we get him as well? Get him too. White? Uh, he's Chilean, so he probably likes Bielsa. Didn't play for him, like, because he's... Um, Doesn't matter, though, does Because he's young. But, um, well, well, Rodrigo de Paul's Argentinian, and he didn't play for Bielsa either. But that's a good reason to get him, isn't it? Yep, I think so. And also, um, Luciano Becchio was Argentinian, wasn't he? And he was good. So then we really can sell Bamford. This chap who sounds like a character from Spanish Pepper Pig at Barcelona, who's he? Ricky Pig. Yeah. He's out of contract, apparently. Another One of their midfielders. He kind of gets on their bench a lot. He's like their Jamie Shackleton in that he is always around the squad, but doesn't get many minutes. Of course, we should sign a player called Ricky Pig. Why not? Why wouldn't we? What, what possible argument is there against us? And uh, our old um, friend in the, the referee's pool will be particularly pleased to see him come into these shores. Jean-Philippe Mateta. I'm slightly scarred by the almost parallels with Jean-Kevin Augustin here, the 23-year-old main striker. So you've got a, a striker who's got a, a, a French-sounding name, triple-barreled, not having it. It's terrifying. German club. Yep. See, I read it like, Jean-Philippe Mateta. <laughs> <laughs> means no worries. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. It's football insider, so I've ignored this one more or less. You say Mateta, I say potato. Let's call the whole thing off. You don't want him then? I don't know if he's good. Scott. We can't be frightened if uh, let Jean Kevin Augustin frighten us off from a, a Jean Philippe. And I noticed that the non-manager is saying he's still not fit as well, which is potentially 
giving us a, a di- pointing us in the direction of why we decided to pretend we never signed him. We might end up with him back. <laughs> There's still, I, I didn't properly read what the, the latest update was, but I'm sure somebody was implying that FIFA might just say, no, Leeds, you have to have him. Rolling it back in like Thomas Brolin after one of his uh, loan spells. A couple of others on the list then. Uh, Kone, isn't he an internet meme? A very old one. <laughs> it's just, still, I've never heard of this chap, so. Coadio Kone, no? He's in um, League Two, it says here. League Trois. No, that's three, isn't it? League, <laughs> Le- Ligue 2. Ligue 2. Um, Ligue 2, that actually means, does mean League Two in uh, in French. Yes. And there's that whole thing of all the money's gone in France, hasn't it? Because of the, um, the television uh, company going bust. So uh, where it says he could cost 15 million euros, I think we offer them 15 pence and see uh, what that gets us. And finally... Seni Dieng, who's this? I've never heard of this person. I ain't either. He's a QPR goalkeeper. Apparently, they've they didn't see fit to play him until this year, and he's twenty six. So should this, we be should we be giving QPR any money after they turned up in that mint green outfit <laughs> the other the other season last year? Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And I'm sure there's um, other reasons to dislike them. What are they? Roy Weggerly. Roy Weggerly. That's it. That's the name I was thinking of. Um, I mean, the fact that we're being linked with this Seni Dieng bloke just to my mind, makes me think how good Melier is because he's 26 and he's been out on loan. He was at Doncaster last year. He's been at Dundee, Stevenage, Hampton and Richmond, Borough, Whitehawk. That's, that's what happens to goalkeepers. Whitehawk, Shytalk. Well, exactly. You just wouldn't become one. If you were a kid now and you wanted to be a footballer, would you want to become a goalkeeper? Because you've got to spend these like 10 years between the age of 18 and 28 just going out on loan to every godforsaken Club, you, you've signed for QPR and you're on loan to, did you say Dundee? Dundee, yes. Fuck me. Although, interestingly, when he was on loan at Whitehawk, on the stats, he's got a one in the goals column. Scored after scored from a corner. Oh. So that's Sign nice. him. Sign him up. But it is. It's just not fucking worth it. Melier is, uh, doesn't know how lucky he is sometimes that he's actually getting to play football matches for a proper team. It makes me think as well how uncreative people are because he's now being linked with Arsenal and Palace. And he's... Were they watching him when he was on loan at Donny last year? Has he had like 10 good games in the championship and people have gone, just buy him, I suppose. Yeah. Not, we've not looked at him at all in any of the previous years, but yeah, just buy him. Put him, in the, put him in his third choice. Never play him. Great stuff. Exciting times. We have the Steve Evans derby happening on Sunday. Should there be like a trophy for this, maybe? It's a, it's a three-way, isn't it? Between him, us and Harold Kewell also has a, an interest in this match. I think Steve Evans is the big one, though, isn't he? In many respects. I mean, he went on to do more things in the game. Well, I mean, exactly. What's what's Harry Kewell done since? Has he still got a job? Tell you what, uh, he's old him still. Alfie McCallman is keeping him in a job. Steve Evans didn't cry off in the European Cup final, did he? Mainly because he didn't get to one, but quite apart from that. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Yeah, I mean, the the, um, the Six Nations, they always have weird, like, I don't particularly watch it, but they've got like, the Calcutta Cup and yeah. every game you win a trophy, don't you? And I feel like there should be one for this. Even though it's even though it's very much an early round of the FA Cup, have like a a big silver chip bowl or something that is yeah. awarded to the winners. But we, we were talking about um, you a know gravy boat, yeah. Or <laughs> you know Douglas, the uh, the Lurpak butterman, the tromboning butterman. We were speaking about him some weeks ago, weren't mm. we? Maybe we could have some sort of I don't know brass casting of of the Lurpak Douglas man. I was thinking uh, Steve Evans sculpted out of butter. That'd be all right. Mm. For the winner to have, I think the the real life one is sculpted out of butter, and then you could watch it melt, and it'd be absolutely horrifying. You could you could put the two of them side by side under a hot lamp and see what which one lasts the longer? At the risk of uh, a spectacular egg to face interface, what do we know about Crawley? 
fuck all. <laughs> Should we say, although oh, they tend to play like a, a high press with a 4-3-3, switching to a 4-5-1 in defensive phases. I, I don't know. There's no information on whoscored.com. What I can tell you is they've got someone called Max Watters, and he scored 13 goals in 15 games, so that's good. Mm-hmm. He might score. And they also have Jake, Hess- Jake Hessenthaler, who is the son of Andy, who was Gillingham manager and who we hate for some reason. Can you remember why? He had a, <sighs> yeah. he had it to do with um, Terry Venables because uh, Viduka got sent off for elbowing Andy Hessenthaler. And then Venables didn't shake hands with the coaches. How the fuck do you know this? I'm looking at it on there. All right. Google now. I remember that there was beef and then I looked it up. Um, Hassan Tyler suggested that Venable's previous positions at Barcelona and other big clubs had made him a little too big for us. And then the actual Gillingham manager, Wayne Jones at the time, um, endorsed Hassan Tyler's accusations saying that Brian Kidd, Eddie Gray and Roy Aitken all came straight over. Obviously they were disappointed, but they shook hands and said, well done, but Mr. Venables didn't. Now that's his prerogative. It all just sounds like some Cockney beef, this, doesn't it? It's well, nothing to do with us. We don't need to concern ourselves with that. Yeah, it's true. We don't We don't need to defend Terry Venables, do we? No. No, and, and um, you know, Viduka's already made the point by smashing Hessenthaler in the face with his elbow, so... Um, <laughs> so I think of you. So I should do the same to his son <laughs> and not shake his hand either. Uh, John Yems is the name of their manager. He. Um, Where are you, Mark Viduka? He's he's the one who's quite vocal, isn't he? Is is Yems old Yemo? <laughs> I presume that's his nickname. Yemo, yeah, yeah, Yemo, definitely Yemo. Um, um, no, th- we've seen the interesting clips of him just being a, a little bit bolshy, and uh, it's obviously going to be slightly different when it comes to playing Leeds and when he's up against Bielsa because you kind of escape. You know, we we're talking about context earlier on, and Leeds have reached a point now where they need to be a little bit, bit more careful about how they project on social. It's the same that kind of goes for this, isn't it? He's he's busy gobbing off in the lower leagues, doing the interviews with his local. BBC Crawley, is that a thing? The, the West Sussex County Times is who I found some quotes from. And that's, I mean, that is not a real paper. That's what I thought. It's one of those clickbait things, isn't it? Yeah. This where you've got made up articles. But he's he's looking forward to it. Can mean 150 million percent. That is a lot of percent. <laughs> Bloody hell. That's that's the most I've ever seen. And footballers <laughs> are known for giving uh, 110. I've heard of. I've even heard of a million percent. Well, I've heard of a thousand percent, definitely. But 150 million, million percent. percent. A lot of percentages. So I mean. Christ, we're gonna we're gonna have to up a game if he's looking forward to it that much. How much are you looking forward to it percent wise? I mean, it's strange because he says seven uh, percent. He's looking forward to one hundred and fifty million percent, but it's only one free punch. Well, they've got one hundred and fifty million free punches. Well, they've got a lot. He, he does seem a bit confused because he says we've got a lot to lose. Um, but then in the next sentence, he says it's a free punch as far as I'm concerned. So and then says, do we want to be in the hat? Of course we do. We're not going out to lose. We're going out to win. But so is it a free punch? Have they got a lot to lose? Do they want to win? Why don't they just um, not play? But I think we should win the FA Cup this year. Yeah. The only problem with that is that you need to be careful in your second year. As Angus Kinnear pointed out to us when we spoke to him, like there's still a 50% chance of you going down, isn't there, in your second year? So a European tour might be a bit of a distraction next year. Can we, should we save that for just do the Champions League third year? Or Well, I'm seeing it as a way of getting into the Europa League, which we can then win and then be in the Champions League. Ah, fair point, yeah. And if we if we have to finish mid-table as a result of being in the Europa League, that's all right, isn't it? And hopefully by then we can travel, so we'd be able to have like a midweek in Slovakia or something. It'd be great. I think the other angle on it is if we play our strongest team in the, the FA Cup and, and get through to the final, we're only, what are we, three wins away from safety in the Premier League. So pretty soon we'll be able to play 
our reserves, Tyler Roberts, Joffe, in the Premier League to get them the minutes against, you know, we've got the those last few games of the seasons, Scum and Chelsea and Liverpool, whoever, going to be irrelevant. So we just, Eddie Gray can come in for those matches, play the kids, while our actual first team, Winning Rodrigo, uh, concentrating on the the cup. Do it that way. I mean, we should only play our strongest team in the league if it's against an English manager. <laughs> Joking apart, I'd really like to win the FA Cup. We've not done it at all in my lifetime. We've not even been anywhere near close apart from 1987. I mean, I was a small child then and I cried my eyes out at Hillsborough when we lost that game. I mean, uh, I have no memory of it whatsoever. I think, I think losing to Sheffield United in the quarterfinals, was it? I think that's about as near as... That might have been Venable. The Wolves, the Wolves yeah, game the Wolves as well. as well yeah. with um, what's that uh, maniac, Kevin Muscat and throwing uh, mud at Jimmy Hasselbank when he was um, taking a penalty. It's probably a decent chance of winning the FA Cup this year because of the number of clubs who were so worried about their You know what we're saying about, precious about players. things being clipped, by the way, and put out? You saying this is going to be put out after we've we've had a 1-0 defeat, isn't it? But you never mind. But that would come with the asterisk at the end of everyone going, oh, well, you know, Liverpool weren't really trying because they were protecting their players and all this. And so it's it's always going to be a bit of a strange one but if the uh, if the trophy's in the cabinet it's all irrelevant isn't it and I think it pretty much is <laughs> we've got a bit like the how we had the promotion merch ready the FA Cup merch is it's been there for years hasn't it just waiting for us to win it I mean I, I was pretty sure we'd win it under Steve Evans but sadly it just just evaded him didn't it so those silver cut out FA Cups that we'll be wearing as hats on their Sunday Sunday lunchtime for this one I've had the tin foil and cardboard out already made a little a little trophy to hold up at least we're not going to have to have a crowd there. That's going to be good. And their pitch, actually, is probably going to be better than ours, which is something <laughs> unusual for a third. Normally, FA Cup third round, it's like, oh, you go you go lower down and it's like a mud bath. But, I mean, it's probably all right. Yeah, the absence of um, fans does change things in these rounds. And I think this is a game we should just do enough to win. I don't want us to lose. Um, I mean, it I would, depends how many players we do rest, because there's a chance we could change the entire team and that might not work brilliantly. That's it. I think there needs to be enough first teamers we don't need to be chancing around with inexperienced um, loose cannons like Hiko Kassia stick with the quality in, in goal to start with and make sure there's enough in the, the spine of the team Matthias Click can have a rest he can sit this one out I've decided he can have a day off Jamie Shackleton Shackleton can come in Calvin because he's suspended for the, the Brighton game he can play this one because he gets his rest the week after um, so he can be the experienced head in, in midfield. Stick Foreshaw in. <laughs> Regardless. Yeah, it'll be all. You'll have wheels on a pitch. Through it. <laughs> and then um, up front, I think we stick with uh, with Bambo just because throwing in a child at this point. Although I suppose, I don't know why I've ignored Tyler Roberts. Maybe I've already decided he's out the door. A strong enough team to win, but um, just play Shackleton. That's all I want. Got a week off from the old uh, Premier League this weekend, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop in our mission to fix the whole shit show once and for all. Now we're back in it. We're improving it by our presence, but we are giving them the blueprint to mend it because it's broken once and for all. So what is wrong with the Premier League this time? We've already covered it, but it's pundits. Just don't bother with them. Just watch the game. Yeah. I mean, you can do this yourself as a trick if anyone gets too wound up by the pundits. You just put it, you know when time of game's kicking off because you can, you can look at it on the internet. Just put it on then. You can turn the sound off if you want. If you don't hear the commentator, do that. It was like a bit like I was thinking of the iFollow games last year. One of the nice things was that you got the biased commentary of of Bryn and 
just lead stuff. That's why it was more pleasant to watch. And all of a sudden, we've we've been served up with some biased opinions coming from a different angle, and we hate it. So just go with it, watch the game, or just have Brynlaw do it. The problem with games in general in the Premier League is they're fucking rubbish. And that's why, like the last half hour of that Spurs game, how many people watching that did just start going, I think I'll just have a look at Twitter. You'll see what, what's going on there. And then, and that's where all this um, this punditry stuff does come into its own because then it's, it's remarkable that uh, so little about football coverage now is about players. It is, all the reporting is, Gary Lineker has said this about your club and not Rodrigo scored this goal. Rafinha did this trick for Leeds United. Look at how good he is at football. It's so, Listen it's to so, Gabi Agbonglahor. So, soap opera, isn't it? Have you not seen the clips of French people doing tackles that go viral? <laughs> and it's it's something else I was thinking about, not to go back to the Karen Carney thing, but if you look at the, new, the football news over the weekend, it was that. Then there was the three Spurs players who broke lockdown regulations, the... the West Ham won with them. Jose Mourinho giving one of them a pick. Man City? Man City, yes. Mendy having a party. There was the Sheffield United player allegedly crashing the car in a, a while feeling worse for wear, doing a doing a Jack Grealish as um as it's as it's known. But that could have actually been in this, because that car was I looked it up, it's a half a million pound car that to buy it to buy it brand new. Think of the of the spec he's got and he's he's a soon to be relegated footballer driving. <sighs> but you look at all that, it's all and you compare it to our players, when was the last time a Leeds United player transgressed in anything like that? The last one we can think of is Kiko Casillo, and even that, not to excuse it in any way, is something that happened during a match on the pitch. And that was the other aggravating thing about the Karen Carney thing. The players must have been looking at it and thinking, we are saints compared to all this shower of bastards that everybody's talking about in the rest of the Premier League. Can you just not tweet that and bring all this trouble down because it is you know with the, the one club that has people normally it's the Twitter account going around saying we are very sorry for the behaviour of our reserve left back at the weekend he should not have had that party ours it's fucking Gabriel Bonglahor's a joke chill out but so much of football is like that nobody really cares and it's why the punditry is so bland they stand there and it's like well what did you think of the game well, I think Leeds last season got tired. Can you, you know, is there no interesting, was there a great moment of skill that you saw? No. Mm. But, but then just think about it. With this controversy, we've been treated to a Jake Humphrey monologue. I mean, that's what the world needs in the wake of things like this. Waiting until you see which way the wind's blowing and then delivering uh, a monologue that you've probably been planning for months that you know will be clipped for social, hey? It was over the top, that wasn't it? Christ. I mean, it, you... Could have concluded that she died at the end of that. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I did message you at one point, Michael, with just a picture of uh, of Princess Diana and said the People's Pundit just because of the way that things got completely out of hand over uh, over this entire thing. It, it got a bit like that, didn't it? I think it's because it was seen as we'd gone for one of their own a bit with the pundits. It was like, no, we, we don't want this. It was fine. When other people get criticised, that's fine, but do not criticise us. We're on telly, for goodness sake. It is that elevation of punditry to celebrity is quite odd. I mean, Karen Carney's punditry should be absolutely dwarfed by her glittering playing career, like 115 games for England, and she is a, a legend of the women's game. But it then translates into this weird after-playing after atmosphere 
where she's probably more famous. Maybe Jimmy Hasselbank's a better example. We spend more time talking about Jimmy Hasselbank than we do about Pat Bamford in, on some days. So it's like, can you believe Jimmy said this? Certainly the headlines that you see, it's, you know, Jimmy Hasselbank's opinion about this. And it's like, well, I would quite like to see Pat Bamford swearing in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Put that on television. That's more interesting. Or, you know, I don't know if I just have this kind of old fashioned thing and maybe it was never like this. And certainly you, you go back to Brian Clough when he was on punditry in the 1970s, winding everybody up and maybe that's where it all began. But I'm sure there was a, a point where you would look at what the players were doing and be more interested in how they were playing football matches. But then again, there's only Leeds players who actually concentrate on the football. Every single other footballer is breaking COVID regulations and driving drunk and I will see them all in court. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to the point at hand, saying, you know, the beautiful thing about iFollow was that it was a little bit myopic, quite low rent, but you basically just saw the game from start to finish. Do we want to sort of tap into those principles of, of iFollow and, you know, go back to standard definition, one camera, no replays, no, kind of, no analysis whatsoever? No VAR either. That was nice last year. Because you didn't need to interrupt the commentary with a, a replay from 14 angles to decide if Pat Bamford's armpit was offside. You just went, they've scored. All right. <laughs> I guess I'll see it tomorrow, the goal. And the commentary off option. That was that was the popular thing. Now it's just down to, do you want the, the crowd noise, the fake crowd noise, on or off? I would like to hear the players. Now, if I can't hear the crowd, I would still just like no commentary, stadium sound, and you could just hear Bielsa going, again, again, and ailing telling people to, you know, keep the their heads together and all this kind of stuff. Much more interesting than Glenn Hoddle just droning on going, are they going to get tired in the second half? Thanks, Glenn. So the new year naturally lends itself to looking ahead to the future, moving house and making a will. Should go hand in hand, but often don't. Uh, January is traditionally Right Move's busiest time of the year. So if a house move is on the agenda for you, then please get in touch with Levi Solicitors about your conveyancing. Uh, they do houses or flats, buying or selling, remortgages or new build properties. And Levi's have a specialist team ready to help you. And the same goes for wills. No adult is too young to have a will. If you have kids or you own a property or you're buying one, it's vitally important that you have an up-to-date will. And a properly drafted will will avoid family complications and unnecessary taxes, which, Michael, your eyebrows raise in there. And certainty for the future as well. As always, as a listener to this show, there's a 10% discount available for you. Get in touch at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Heroes and villains from the week gone by now. Ken Bates Villainy Award is up first and nominations, please. Sean Deitch. Why? What's he said? <laughs> I do actually have some quotes from him, to be fair, when he was fucking moaning on about when we beat him. Have you got the audio there? Uh, just a second. Of, um, I've got it on my phone. Just play it in. Are you just trying to dig the clip off there, Michael? Yeah, I've just, I've just, I've got the the MP3 of him saying, it, "Yeah, Pope, we got the ball. You can tell by the trajectory of the ball." So I'm amazed. Now I'm not amazed because at the very top of the game, they've said they want more penalties. There's a directive. I understand that, but ironically, we've only had one in 24 games, which is bizarre in itself. There we go. You see, this is the standard of uh, punditry and celebrating the beautiful game that. Um I was talking about. Has there been a directive for more penalties? Is he just making that I up? I think it's in Sean Dyche's head. Can you do an impression of Karen Carney? <laughs> Probably not advisable, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Who else do you want to nominate? Big Sam, for similar reasons, just fucking moaning on somehow, managing to claim that the world's against him and Leeds tried harder against his absolutely abject team than we did against a very well-organised and talented Spurs team. All tired out because they drew with Liverpool. <laughs> 
Well, we drew with Liverpool and we were fine. Beat them. You're, you're remembering incorrectly. Of course, yeah. Our opening day victory at Anfield. <laughs> Silly me. Uh, yeah, I'm right behind both of those two. Anybody else? I was going to stick Kane and Sonnen just because it was annoying, wasn't it? That was the main vibe of that second goal. Just, ah. Too good. Ah, not fair. Get Chris Armstrong and Stefan Everson up front or at best, Les Ferdinand. Jürgen Klinsmann when he's gone crap? Yeah, the second spell of Klinsmann mm. when he went back there. They allowed him. First spell of Klinsmann was quite good. So Paul Walsh. Paul Walsh allowable, I think. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. <laughs> Spurs basically should run any signings past us and just we'll just decide if they're good enough or if they need to go somewhere else. Yeah, we put them on the Vinnie Samway scale and see if he's <laughs> see if he's acceptable for Tottenham Hotspur. So yeah, Kane, it's a fair point. They have I mean, caused they've uh, caused us misery. These David Kerslick, fine. <laughs> they are collectively about hundred and fifty million percent on the Vinnie Samway scale. <laughs> those two, so they are definitely stepping well above their station. It's a short shortlist this week. Is there nobody else? Well, because we'd have to nominate Leeds because we've been the villains of the <laughs> of the last seven days in the entire world's eyes, and we don't want to nominate ourselves, do we? People on Twitter who are being sexist, them because the club didn't say anything directly sexist, did they? They just invited a slight pile on of it <laughs> and the point is as well it does genuinely invalidate what was legitimate criticism of the point that she made and, yeah and particularly like the, the pundits going oh well she was well researched well she wasn't because she said that we'd blown up in each of the last couple of seasons and that's not true is it no and i did see people providing evidence that we always blow up at the end of the season going back to like the gary monkey <laughs> and you think well what what relevance does this have it's as relevant as those stats we're getting at the moment say leads have not not beaten Arsenal at home in the Premier League since 2002 or whatever, and you think, well, yeah, we've not played them in 20 years almost, so it's sadly surprising. Sexists. Yeah. And Karen Carney. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, actually. Karen Carney and her, her gang of sexist mates. <laughs> oh, they can all go have their uh, villainy award together and sort it out between themselves. And I hope she wins. As bad as fucking Jay Humphries with your nonsense questions. Oh, I so think Leeds will win. Who do you think will win? On to the Andy Hughes Hero Award then now. Uh, somebody who's done good this week for us, who's, uh, who's in your nomination pile. Demba Barr, you might remember him, played for Chelsea, Newcastle, but he's reading a book about Bielsa and he's tweeted that the more I know about him, the more I appreciate him. Reading it in French as well. I see he's as uh, cultured in languages <laughs> as uh, Patrick Bamford. Well, that's, that's going to infuriate a, a section of journalists in this country. I do know that. Why isn't he reading in English? <laughs> Plays in the English game. He should read English books. He also scored a winner against Scum, didn't he, this year, which was that hysterical one where they were defending on the edge of their own 18-yard box and didn't bother looking at him, stood on the halfway line. So he gets extra points for that. Speaking of said journalists, so we're going to give a nomination to Matt Law of The Telegraph. He's good fun, isn't he? He is. He was almost in the villain section for this, but I think it's just funny. So he's gone in the heroes bit instead for his ridiculous opinions. You might remember him. He was the one who wanted... Well, first of all, he wanted Sarri sacked last year because he was not doing well enough because they were too low in the league according to him and hadn't won enough points then he wanted Chris Wilder Frank Lampard and Dean Smith recognised for that that award because but they weren't allowed to quote exactly but they are English so they're not allowed to be nominated or recognised this, this was the, the coach of the year nominations wasn't it was his opinion on that and then this week with Frank Lampard having officially the lowest points per game for any post Abramovich Chelsea manager he thinks that he should be backed mm. interesting take is all I'm saying. It's almost like he's on first name terms with Frank Lampard. It is, isn't it? It's like he's mm. it's like he's his best mate and he gets mm. all of his information from him, so he kind of wants him to stay in a job. It's a little bit in the realms of like when Duncan Castles was ridiculously defending Mourinho at Scum. But good. I'm glad I'm glad he's <laughs> making a fool of himself. We can also nominate um 
on the other side of the heroism where Frank Lampard's concerned. Barney Roney, um, I'm sure everybody's seen this tweet, but it's good enough to read. What bank has stored up credit is Lampard relying on? Beating Leeds and doing a dance? That's some of the situation up very well. Good article by Jonathan Liu as well in The Guardian, um, taking a pot shot at, at Frank's privilege and the fact that he's not really ever had to work for anything in his life. He works harder than anyone. He, he himself will tell you. And that's exactly what he had to do to get on Abramovich's yacht, which is the thrust of this, wasn't it? And you saw all the hard work he was doing in their defeat to Man City, standing at the side of the pitch, looking at it. Hey, are we forgetting that he knows the club? He probably does deserve a nomination for heroism, actually, does Frank Lampard, because he's, uh, he's been providing entertainment for us this week. He's got to take over from uh, Solskjaer, because we had Solskjaer in this position for a long time, but now he's taking them top of the league, and that's not that was never part of the deal. No. It was already, that third place finish for Scum last season was already a surprise compared to the, uh, the outrage amongst their supporters. Now it's got even weirder to work out why they were all so unhappy, and they're actually winning the Premier League. So Solskjaer, I feel, has overstepped the mark a little bit, but at least we do have Frank Lampard um, stepping into his shoes to keep a, a team. Where are Chelsea? At about are they sixth or something? They're probably second, aren't they? And that'll be, everyone's mad upset because they're only a point away from the top. But he's just doing that thing of, of making a group of really entitled supporters upset because their team is not the greatest and they think it should be. But they and can't quite criticise him it's Frank Lampard and oh, a lot of them have kind of bought into legend it and... I cannot when he gets sacked the mental gymnastics that will have to take place within the Chelsea fan base is going to be great to watch and I'm looking forward to that opposite end of the table Sheffield United they're doing good things this season when you come up you obviously your initial concern is going straight back down and they've taken one of those places straight off the table haven't they right from the off of the season they've been like nope we've got this this is ours and you're not going to get it off us and You've got to say it's remarkable. I never thought anyone would come close to Derby's 11 points, but you've got to give, them, give, give credit where it's due to the Muppets from Sheffield. And a literal car crash as well. It just makes everything better. And to imagine... No one was injured in the car crash, we should say. Car crashes where people are injured are bad. It is... Um... <laughs> and shouldn't be mocked. No, no. No, controversial opinion there, I know. But, but imagine being Chris Wilder and waking up that morning and you've got a, a message from somebody at Sheffield United just with a, a photo of that car and just, would you go to work that morning? Would you just stay home with your Def Leppard CDs? It's, it's Def Leppard tapes. It's funny. <laughs> it's very, very funny. Pat Bamford's got an expensive car. He's not crashed his, has he, Chris? Should have signed him. Controversial. Uh, Remain Sawyers needs a nomination for his, uh, his handiwork in the last uh, seven to ten days. It was excellent, wasn't it? It was very, very good. Should do more no-look back passes like that, Remain. And it's funny because I'd spent some of the build-up praising him, saying I liked him as a footballer within 10 minutes. <laughs> like him even more. Yeah, brilliant. Love it. Thank you, Remain. Who else? Bielsa. On this list of where we've had, we've talked about Frank Lampard and Big Sam and Sean Dyche, who are blame everybody else for all of their problems. Has Bielsa ever blamed a referee or a directive from the FA or a team having tried harder the week before, or injuries, or anything. No, he blames himself, and that is about it. There was even at the weekend when he was asked about Alioski as a defender, and he said that the only reason Alioski doesn't defend better is because he asks him to play too far forward, and it makes it more difficult for him to defend. So any deficiency Alioski has as a defender, and he's even, you know, Alioski played a, a lot as a, a wing back before he, he came to lead, so he's Bielsa is teetering on the argument of saying I've ruined him. He was a great defender before I, I started making him um, attack as well as defend. And you wouldn't get that. Even um, 
I mean, some of those noises he makes also my fault. I should I should give him more of an outlet. I should let him go on the bouncy castle and the, give him his crayons and stuff, but it's my fault, all of it. Who's your hero? I think it's a choice between whether we want to start 21 celebrating joyfulness and goodness in the world, in which case we would give it to Marcelo Bielsa as a, as a thank you for... Or Jake Humphrey. Um, I was going to say Sheffield United just for laughing at um, the week. Yeah, I'm fine with that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. It's funny when it's not happening to us, isn't it? So is that the way we want? I was actually going to say, no, let's be nice and give it to Bielsa and be the bigger people. Nah. But no, we're going to... In well, a week in a week of spite, let's be spiteful. If anybody does want to send any abuse, Sheffield United's away, tweet at them, say that those swords look fucking blunt. They've seen... Get them, you can import better steel than that from China. They have, have like, what have you got left now, eh? A Human League album. Rubbish. Well, a Human League, pretty good. Oh, congratulations, Sheffield United. Thank you for all the entertainment so far in 2021. Let's hope it continues for a long time. Priority access to the match ball after the games with TSB Plus, our new subscription package. Do check it out. You get full digital access to the magazine and a whole load of other stuff. Have a look at the squareball.net forward slash plus and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. 